Whether you're at a point of having to make a career choice or you simply like to hear what others are passionate about, this podcast is about the workers who make up our nation's economy. I'm your host, Allie Nielsen, and this is Employed. As much as we love the end product, those Instagram perfect photos of the beautiful end table with the pictures and books and plants and everything, that's such a small portion of what interior design is. Thank you, Sonia, for coming on today and just telling everyone what you do. So can you introduce yourself? Hi, Ellie. Yes, my name is Sonia Barney, and I own my own interior design company in Idaho. Yeah, I just focus on residential and commercial work and anything interior design related. How long have you been doing this and what made you interested in this field? So I've had my own company for five years. Um, but I graduated in 2006 and have been in the field either working as a kitchen and bath designer or as a uh, interior design teacher at the university I actually graduated from. They had me come back and teach a little bit. So yeah, I've been, there's really never been like a time I didn't do it, though I did very much slow down when I had my babies. So funny enough, um, not everybody grows up saying, I'm going to do this and does it. But I clearly remember when I was probably in grade school or middle school and I was at a friend's house and someone said interior design was an actual career. And I was thinking in my mind, well, that's kind of cool. Not that I had like this huge knack and I was doing a lot of it or that I grew up in these fancy homes or anything. That wasn't it at all. I just thought that's something I could actually see myself doing. And I loved going and seeing old homes or cool places. I loved antiques. I enjoyed like every time we'd have 4th of July, I'd gather all the fireworks and display them on my bed. I just loved the whole organization and arranging and things like that. And so I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So I obviously didn't have any clue really what all about interior design was. I just kind of enjoyed some aspects of it. So I'm one of those people that just makes a decision and goes with it. And I said I'm going to do it and went for it and never changed my mind. I guess what education and experience is required? Do you have to get a license to be an interior designer or what what's the process for all of that? So each state is different and this is something that a lot of people don't realize with interior design. Like Allie let me ask you a question if this helps. What would you just as someone on the street what would you describe interior design? Someone who decorates. That's what I that's what I imagine. So you're seeing furniture and accessories, mm-hmm. maybe some window treatment, some colors, things like that. Yeah. Some colors. Yeah. So it, that's definitely a part of interior design, but it's not all of it. I'd say that's probably about 20% of what interior design is. There's a whole other side to it that's very technical. And I'd probably relate that to like interior architecture. If someone were to say, here is your building envelope, here's all the outside walls an interior designer can do everything else on the inside. They can locate the walls. They understand the mechanical systems. They place the lighting. They know all the finishes. They know where plumbing needs to go. And they can help arrange all of that. And they need to know all of that to know their capabilities and what can help the end user be the most functional. So as much as we love the end product, those Instagram perfect photos of the beautiful end table with the pictures and books and plants and everything that's such a small portion of what interior design is so to answer your question there are two fields 
their interior decorators and their interior designers. And each state kind of defines them a little bit different. In my state of Idaho, there is no legal reason no anyone can't call them an interior designer. But states like New York and California, they have legislation that unless you went to school, you don't get to call yourself an interior designer. You could only call yourself a decorator because there's some liability with it. And if as a designer, you have more, should have more experience and knowledge base. Again, they're associating that almost with an architect. So I went and got my bachelor's degree from a program. You can get associates programs, you can get uh, certificates, you can get, there's even master's programs out there. So there's a lot of education you receive, but interior design is one of those fields that you can really do a deep dive into so many different areas. If you wanna go commercial, you can go really into codes and things like that to build large skyscrapers and things. Um, you can go into kitchen and bath and really focus on that and specialize. So there's a lot of specialties you can take with interior design. Some states also require that you pass a test called the NCIDQ, which is I think National Certificate of Interior Design Certification or Qualification, something like that. And that gives you a number, you can get a little label for your name. So it's, it's a hefty duty test, but that's a lot of times what's required if you wanna go into commercial work it's just a lot more code-based. As a kitchen and bath designer, you can also take some certification classes and become a certified kitchen designer or certified bath designer. But I would recommend, again, it's one of those things where some people are born with the knack of design and some people have to be taught. Whether or not you have that knack or not, I highly recommend education. If, if anything, it's just to get you a leg up to get into the field, to have it on your resume at least get associates, do something to help you. Because like I said, there's so much to interior design. It's beyond what we see on surface level. It sounds like it really kind of combines this trifecta of construction and architecture and decor as well. I think that's, I never would have thought about that. And yeah, I think I've always just thought about interior design as just a decorator. Yes. I mean, I took classes with construction management majors. I took classes with architecture majors. You're, you're, there is such a combined overlap, yes, of knowledge that we all need to learn to make it so that it's, because if you think of um, some buildings, uh, even residential, have to still be ADA compliant, meaning that they're wheelchair accessible, that they can meet all those needs, that people can escape during a fire. Like there are safety things that you just have to know as an interior designer. It can't just be what wallpaper am I putting on that wall? Then what is the range of salary that someone can typically expect to make in this field? So I'll be completely candid. When I started out, my first post-graduation job was a kitchen and bath firm in Phoenix. And I started out at 35,000. And in the Phoenix area, that was probably a little low, but I went in just trying to be, that's kind of the recommendation I received is after graduation, that's what you can make. I think on average now, a lot of people are making 50 to 60 a year where I'm owning my own business. I kind of look at it a little bit differently. It's not how much I'm making, it's how much I'm charging. How do I say this in the right way? I want to tell you what I'm charged, what people charge hourly, even though you're not making that much, but interior designers do charge uh, quite a bit per hour, but we also have a good amount of overhead and hours that we're not necessarily billing our clients. So 
most designers, legitimate designers are charging between 75 and $250 an hour, which seems like a lot of money. But again, we have overhead, there's things that you're not going to be paid for that you're going to just do for free. But those are a good range of if you're going into the field, you can be expecting to charge that much to your clients. And I would always say, start out first working for people. Don't just go jump into your own business because there's so much to learn. Get mentors and then break out on your own if you want to start making all of that money coming in. But it's okay to intern for a while. What are your typical work hours pre-COVID? I'm sure they maybe they've changed a little bit, but what are your typical work hours? And do you feel like this, this field allows for a proper work-life balance? So actually before COVID, I was probably, I was working for 40 hours a week, a typical work week. The crazy thing about COVID, it's actually increased interior design and construction field especially where I live um, in Idaho, we've had a huge influx of people moving to Idaho because uh, they're wanting to get out of big cities. And I've had to actually hire two people since COVID began because my hours were just too overwhelming. And you're right, work-life balance is really hard when you're homeschooling your kids and you're just trying to balance it all. So I'm full-time. And um, the... I work from home. My office is in my basement right below my master bedroom. So I really don't feel like I ever get away from work, but I think that it's developing certain hours of the day that I work kind of helps. Again, I'm not perfect at it. I just wake up and start thinking about it. Can you walk me through an average day at your job from the time that you arrive to, I don't know if you want to do a residential example or a, a a commercial example you pick? I do probably 60 to 70% of all my work still in my office. So I'm not always out on the out and about. When I get to my desk, I'm checking emails. I'm looking at my Asana app, which is like my to-do app. It lists each project and what's required. And I've already kind of pre-filled my day for weeks on end. I already kind of know what I need to get done for that day. So I just start tackling things. And if I have appointments, we go out to appointments, we do field measures, we meet with contractors, we go to showrooms, pick out finishes. And yes, before COVID, there was a lot more out there um, going about. But now with COVID, I do have more Zoom calls and uh, phone calls with clients just to make it a little bit easier. So if it's not necessary, we don't have to meet in person. So an interior designer, if you're working for somebody else, you're going to come in and they're going to give you a project. I mean, I do a lot of AutoCAD, which is a computer program that draws the floor plans, the elevations, things like that. So a lot of time is spent doing uh, work on AutoCAD, as well as making concept boards and working with finishes. And so a typical designer would probably spend their time working on one or two projects a day, um, trying to put things together for presentations for clients or follow up on previous like meetings and redoing drawings or, you know, fixing things. So, and that's kind of the beginning of the process. There's so many phases to a job. So that's like the design phase where you're going to be doing a lot more computer work. There's the install phase where you're going to want to go out and double check the site, make sure things are being installed correctly. If it's furniture, that's a little bit easier, but if it's 
construction, you're going to want to be out there for almost every single phase and talk with every sub if you had a hand in designing it so that the design intent is conveyed over. So there's a lot of job site visits and there's a lot of um, computer work. There's purchasing, which is another aspect of it. So you're going to be researching and finding the right furniture or accessories or lighting. You're going to be ordering it and um, billing your clients. So, I mean, there's just so much to interior design. And then to think of the days that you go actually in style. Again, all this, I'm finally getting to the tiny little part at the beginning where we said we do the furniture and accessories. That's like at the very tail end of the job. It's like the last day. So you spend a year doing all the rest and then you have one day to install. Can you tell me what maybe what a really good day you've had at your job looked like or what experience stands out to you uh, where you just knew that you were in the right field? There are so many good days, but they're usually around when a job finishes and you see that smile on the client or even just at the beginning of the job when the client's like, I'm so excited to work with you. They've signed the contract and they're just so excited to start the process. And yes, you could call it a little bit of an ego boost, but I just... It really empowers me to know that I'm doing it for the good of other people. It's not just about the money for me. It's those intrinsic values of helping people and using my talents to bless other people's homes and businesses and making them more functional and beautiful because a more functional, beautiful space is more productive space. Again, it goes back to that whole, is it a hobby business or is it a business business? And you can still have a business business and enjoy doing it. I know that there's a lot of designers out there who feel guilty about charging people for what they enjoy doing. You can do both. You can charge people your value and still enjoy serving people every day. What's maybe a bad day at work or what are, what are challenges that you often face? I know that you previously mentioned difficult clients. What, what can all of that look like? You're right. I mean, it is such a, people heavy business and there's so many factors that go into it i can have i've had really bad days i've had days where i come home and i'm i'm done i've said i'm out i can't do this anymore now, again it's not the creativity that's about 10 percent of what i do the 90 percent is the technical know-how understanding business and managing people and i wasn't taught that in school you have to learn that school of hard knocks here when you get out there And so um, the bad days come when you come across a new problem that you haven't dealt with before. Um, So like just this last fall, for example, we're doing some new countertops in this person's kitchen. It was a nice kitchen cabinet. They didn't need to be replaced. So we were just updating the countertops and they had stone and they're replacing it with quartz. No problem. We've done it many times. Not a big deal. Well, they start lifting off the old stone countertop And they're realizing whoever installed these 10, 12 years ago, liquid nailed the stone to the countertop, which isn't typical. And it ripped these cabinets up. It damaged them. And if the client wasn't happy, I had never seen it before. I had no clue what I was supposed to do. The countertop people hadn't seen it before. And we're like, who's responsible? What are we supposed to do? And those are the, the moments in time when you say, all right, let's start making phone calls. Let's problem solve on your feet and let's find a solution that works. And luckily we did. We were able to find, have someone come fix the cabinets. We didn't have to replace all of them, but 
those are the experiences you, you get every single day. And in the end, you want to make the client happy. There's also been days where I've had contractors just yell at me and be extremely sexist and misogynistic and rude. And it, this is a business where you get some thick skin really, really fast. And, but those are the hallmarks of a good designer. What's maybe a, a weird or unexpected experience that's happened at work? I mean, you did just mention one, but what's maybe something that would be a fun story to tell to other interior designers? I had to pick and choose from my stories because I didn't want to have any of my current clients feel like they were talked about. So we're going back in time a little bit back when I was in Phoenix and we went to this client consult and they were just wanting us to look at their master bath. Now we were in the Scottsdale area for this consult and it's a little bit higher end area and you can get some interesting characters. And the funniest part about being an interior designer is that you see the very private side of your, of your clients. You, you know, their bathroom habits, you know, what parties they are doing. You, you know about their marriage relationships or their, maybe their uh, extracurricular activities that you're like, I didn't want to know that, but now I do. And you just kind of have to just keep putting on that professional face. So we went to this one house and all they wanted to look at was the master bath, but they opened the front door and it was like walking into, I don't know, like a Grecian Liberace at the zoo. There were Grecian statues everywhere and these murals and these like, Persian rugs and everything. It was just a feast for your eyes everywhere you went. And then they take us over to the master bedroom, which has these double doors that open into, and you think, oh, I'm going to go through double doors. It's going to be just grand. It's immediately blocked by this, some type of structure. And you're like walking through a tunnel to get into the master bedroom, which is this dark master bedroom. And I guess the bed was built up over the door and it, there was Persian rugs everywhere and it had a faint aroma. And it just, it was like, Oh, this is, this is a, this is a room that's been used by mental people. It's, it's the, it's their boudoir. And so we go into the master or bath, which is literally built in like a sunroom. Like the reason we were there, cause it was illegally built and like it encroached on property lines and it was like the sunroom. And then there was like a black toilet and like everything that was just really like this, this is kind of, it, it kind of made my skin crawl a little bit. So then they're like, oh, let's show you the rest of the house. We've got some more to show you. And again, we're just being meandered through this house, these crazy wall patterns everywhere and go into the kitchen and they have a tree wall and it has, it's like this three-dimensional sculptural tree and there has like pull out cabinets in it. And then you turn around and there's all of these like bird cages, like huge bird cages. The kitchen is filled with exotic birds. And so it's just this loud, stinky kitchen. It was the weirdest place. And I, I don't hate birds, but I mean, 20 bird cages is kind of odd to have in the kitchen. <laughs> And then they took us out to the pool house and like, oh, we're just thinking of dressing this up again. And the pool house was falling apart. It was like crumbling and moldy. And I just, I left the house being like, what did I just see? And of course the, the homeowner was like dropping names. Like this was the party house for Hollywood's A-listers. And I, I can't mention names, but I was just like, again, didn't need to know all of this. But I look around and I'm like, you have more money than you need and you're using it the wrong way. It was all 
a lack of taste and craftsmanship. And it was just, it was, it was weird. Do you maybe have any advice for anyone who is maybe looking into this career? I would definitely recommend that you don't think that your end goal is to be on television. And like a lot of people think, well, where do you see yourself? Well, you're not really successful until you're on TV. Success isn't driven by notoriety. It's not driven by how many followers you have on Instagram. It has nothing to do with that. And so start looking at interior design as a business and to get your chops so that if one day you were asked to be on television, you could do it smoothly. As I tell, because I've worked with um, high school students, uh, they've come and shadowed me for a little bit for maybe their senior project or something. Or My biggest thing is you've got to be a human sponge. And this is not just from now until you get a job. This is now until you retire. You need to be a human sponge and take everything in. Like I said, interior design has so many aspects to it. And you can go down many different rabbit holes, learning so much. So if interior design is where you want to go, great. Watch your HGTV shows, watch, um, all, uh, get magazines and everything. But that's not really showing full interior design. Maybe go out to job sites. If there's a house being built in your area, go tour it. See what's inside the walls past the wallboard, past the gypsum. There's things that are hidden and watch the process of how homes and buildings are built. Go to showrooms. If you go in and say, hey, I'd love to learn about flooring. I don't think any showroom manager would say, I don't have time to talk to you about flooring. Start learning about the finishes, learning about the benefits, the pros and cons. I think for adults, being a homeowner, you probably know this, you start picking up that stuff because you have to apply it right away. Until you have to apply it, it's really hard to understand it. So you have to purposefully try to glean that information and say, I need to know this. No, that's awesome advice. And those just seem like excellent, I mean, somewhat easy tools that you can utilize to just go to a showroom or find a house that's being built. Just just opportunities that you can create for yourself to just learn these little pieces that you'll eventually need. To add to it, if you have someone who's handy and doesn't mind you getting in there helping, get in there and get your hands dirty because the best way to learn is with your two hands. A big thank you to Sonia for donating her time to the show. The information shared in this podcast is the experience of the guest. And if you are interested in the design field, please be sure to check the requirements where you live as they will vary state to state. Follow us on Instagram at employed podcast for the latest podcast updates. Thanks for listening.